This is your other brother's podcast. Welcome, friends, to your other brother's podcast, navigating faith, homosexuality, and masculinity together from a very rainy, dark, and foreboding, both literal and metaphoric, jewel of the Blue Ridge. My name is Tom, and I'm so glad you're here. Joining us from the other side of the state, the city of Oaks, it's our other brother, Ryan. What's up, Ryan? Hey, everyone. Ryan, I'm so glad you're alive, but we'll continue. Also alive from the city of Forts, it's our other brother, Jacob. What's up, Jacob? Hey, folks. <coughs> yes, y'all. I'm <sighs> coughing. I was just telling Ryan and Jacob, I am coughing, which is not the best <clears throat> best for any podcast, but particularly this podcast, which we're going to dive into the, the the time capsule that will be forever, episode 60 mm. of the Yobcast. I'm excited to dive into the backstory here very shortly. Um, yeah, I'm so glad you guys are here. We're back for another episode. Um, and we're talking about fear today. And that topic is so vast. It's like the Pacific Ocean crashing on every shore. And we're going to talk about fear today um, in a lot of different ways, starting with a way that is super culturally relevant right now. But before we get to that, y'all, anything, uh, anything new? <laughs> anything new with you? The only thing new in my life is what we're going to talk about. So I won't spoil it. <laughs> I won't steal okay. your thunder. <laughs> the lightning and the thunder. What about you, Jacob? Any, anything new over in your neck of the woods? Yeah, I kind of echo that that same sentiment that I feel like the, the most interesting or like new things are all connected to the hot topic that of the day of the century the hot topic of the day of at least the decade i mean it's a mm. fairly young decade so far but yeah um today we're talking about fear and particularly or at least st- as a starting point we're going to be talking about the coronavirus which is something currently spreading around the world i don't know if y'all have heard about it it's a it's a thing that's happening right now yeah, greetings from the past before society collapsed I know we're right? having a great time. We're just podcasting and cooking dinner. And- Everyone's this is the age of podcasts and everybody going live on everything, every single platform. Mm-hmm. Um, all these goofy challenges we're all making for one another, um, mm-hmm. like push-ups and emojis and all sorts of things. It's 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 a it's a what a time to be alive. That's all I gotta <laughs> say right now. Pretty much, um, yeah. It's really weird because I I really like having our podcast kind of being outside of the binds of time. So they're theoretically like anyone could listen to this from, you know, 30 years from now or 300 years from now, and they could get a great conversation about pornography or about, you know, all the things that we talk about community related things. Um, And so it's really weird. It's weird to me to think about like, we're talking about coronavirus in the intro banter, and then also as a huge part of our main topic today, um, which is something we have no idea how long it's going to be with us. We're in the middle of it right now, 
here at the end of March. We're in the, we're, I'm going to just go ahead and date it. This is the time capsule that we're in. We're in March, 2020 at the moment of this recording. And we literally have no idea. Nobody has any idea how much longer this is going to be, how many more people are going to lose their lives, how many people are going to get infected, how much longer quarantines and lockdowns and stay at home orders are going to be in effect. We have no idea. And that's so strange to me to be recording mm-hmm. within that context, knowing that people will listen undoubtedly, let's hope, on the other side of this <laughs> and mm-hmm. and have that perspective. That's so strange to me. Have y'all thought about that? Your voice is being captured forever on this distinct piece of time. I think there's a, there's a part of me that thinks it's, it's actually a really sobering thought to think that. So this is, we are recording this in March of 2020, not knowing what's going to happen in the future. And let's, let's say that like that April brings some kind of new horrendous awfulness. And it's actually like 50 times worse than it is now of how weird that it is to have like people listening to this way in the future and think like, Oh, like they're in March when, you know, the worst that was happening was that people couldn't find toilet paper and like all these things we thought like, Oh wow, this is really, affecting how we live not even knowing what's coming ahead which yeah. i know is a really grim dark view but i'm i'm doing that for tom because i know that thank you that speaks you're to tugging his, on my heartstrings right there to his like, yes go darker actually poorness yep yep <laughs> absolutely yeah i gotta say you know i'm 33 i it's not that <clears throat> old but i've lived through some crises right like you know i think all of us remember 9-11 we all, uh, all three of us here remember 9-11. Um, we remember the the big stock market crash in 2008. I don't know if there's some other like crises um, that po- come to mind, but this is like the most apocalyptic feeling time that I've experienced. Yeah, because like, I don't want to belittle 9-11. That is, please do not take this out of context. <laughs> but like with 9-11, it was like, okay, there was no flights for like three days, four days, I think. And then it's like, okay, not that it, everything went back to normal by any means, but it just felt like a lot more concentrated, like this huge horrific thing happened. And like, yes, there was a healing process and I was like, what did that, what just happened? But, mm-hmm. but it felt like things were back up and running and moving again, you know, at least most of the major things, maybe some of the other things took longer to come online again. But but like with coronavirus, things are shutting down. Businesses and stores are either not open entirely or have limited services that they're offering now. And and it's already been like a week or two of this and we have no concept of how much longer it's going to be. And so it is like this more expansive thing, this crisis that, uh, yeah, the uncertainty of it is just the thing that gets at me the most, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even like other, other big things. And like, I think, um, uh, hurricane Katrina is also one that's often mentioned as like, kind of like a big uh, crisis event at this point, like those, those events didn't really touch me personally. Like I think at least with, and with things with like, um, with the recession of 2008, like being at an age where I was a dependent anyway and so wasn't really affected by like economic trouble at that point so this is really the first thing that I can think of that I feel like I've been personally even even so not in any way that's been super traumatic yet but like it it has actually 
changed and affected how I live my life. Yeah, I mean, this is a thing that's affected everybody, whether you're a student and you're not in school anymore, whether you were working at an office and now you're either working at home or have been laid off entirely, Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. whether you were planning to get married this spring. I mean, there's like some heartbreaking stories out there, like people canceling weddings because they can't do it anymore. Like there's just Or whether you were planning on going to the Olympics. (laughs) (laughs) Let's talk about that. Ryan, you were, you're speaking of yourself. You were going to go to Tokyo. For those of you who don't know, um, I was planning a big trip to Tokyo over the summer to go to the Olympics, and uh, I was going to stay for like seven, nine days with my dear friend Micah, who lives in Tokyo. So I had a place to stay. I had I had my events tickets lined up. I had my plane tickets lined up. And on the way home, I was going to lay over in Waikiki Beach for two nights to help recover from the jet lag. But uh, this morning, the uh, the IOC International Olympics Committee announced that they would not be having the Summer Games in 2020 in Tokyo. So uh, I'm very bummed about That's that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, hopefully you'll get to go next year. Maybe next year. There's Maybe. always tomorrow. My, my friend Micah, he and his family... Uh, might be moving back to the U.S. Oh no! So, so that like ruins <laughs> that whole. That's dynamic. yeah. There's a kink in the slinky there. Mm, mm. Slinky kinks. There have been so many. What a good phrase. Kinks lately. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Do not Google slinky kink. <laughs> um, well, before we dive into that topic, y'all, because we're already. I mean, we unavoidably. There's no way to not talk about life in the last couple of weeks without talking about the coronavirus. So I figured we would like gently ease our way into this. Um, and yeah, my question was, cause I haven't talked with y'all. Part of it was intentional to not talk to y'all in the last week because I wanted to save it all for this podcast. So I apologize for not being a great friend in that regard. Um, but I am legitimately curious, just like what the last, let's just limit it the last week. Um, Tom, and- I was socially isolated. <laughs> <laughs> let's hold on. We'll see. <laughs> this is not worth it. We're going to get to fears, <laughs> relational fears later. Um, I had this fear that we weren't friends anymore because you don't talk, hold on. talk to me. Hold on, y'all. You're jumping on me too fast. I have to catch my breath. Um, too late. I wanted to hear the last week of your lives, like just how has it changed? What have been the disruptions? What have been the annoyances? Um, and this isn't being like surfacey about it because obviously this is a deadly thing spreading around the world. But I'm just talking about your lives how has this affected your daily and your weekly uh, coming in and going out? Like what, I'm just curious what, what that looks like for each of you. Well, um, this is the most surfacey thing, but it came to mind today is that I stocked up on, um, on non-perishables, but I did not foresee how much loungewear I would go through in the week. <laughs> so I'm having to do laundry like every few days because I have like two pairs of sweatpants and then I, you know, wear them as I work from home. And then, um, cause I'm not wearing real clothes. No, I'm not, I'm not going <laughs> to, you know, that's what day. they say though, whoever they are, they're like, no, just keep dressing up as you normally would be normal. Oh, yeah. Treat yourself to, yeah, some sense of normalcy, but well, you're saying they no. don't know how comfortable these sweatpants are. <laughs> Um, yeah. So, well, I just wanted to chime in real quick and say I'm jealous of you though, because like you have your own washer and dryer to which you can use mm, of your ooh, own accord. Yeah. Versus me, 
I am like struggling to, I don't have a washer dryer where I live. I always have to go to a laundromat. And so that is terrifying to me because I feel like laundromats surely aren't the cleanest places, <laughs> safest places to go right now. I don't know. Maybe it's nope. just in my head, but I'm like, oh gosh, I need to really limit my laundromat trips. Meanwhile, I'm looking at all of my, yeah, all of my socks and underwear and everything dwindling away. I was like, maybe it's better to just start buying more underwear like hit up pair of thieves and just like start ordering in underwear for the next two weeks i don't know i like i went to the laundromat the other day and i was like holding my breath the whole time i like sitting away from everybody like super social distancing um it was just it was so i just felt cringy the whole time like oh gosh i'm gonna get something i'm gonna get something and i hand sanitized my hands like 12 times on that entire trip Mm -hmm. it was it was a it was a rush let me tell you Mm. yeah um, I've, I've only left the house for groceries every, you know, every few days. Um, my gym was forced to close. Wake County closed, oh, um, just closed yeah. all the gyms, but they are doing, um, online workouts over zoom, a video. Yeah. Have you been crossfitting platform. on zoom, Ryan? So I've been crossfitting on zoom <laughs> yes. in my home office. <laughs> I love it, Ryan. It's Big fun. high five, virtual high five, or yeah. elbow, no elbow bump or elbow. Elbow, bump yeah, that's these, right. That's in these right. troubled times, you know, I thought there was a chance this this would be the one episode. <laughs> no, that, no, 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 no. That, that CrossFit would stop. not be, yeah, be mentioned. We cannot let the virus win. Apparently, together. yeah. Corona uh, CrossFit is bigger than pandemic. Yes, <laughs> amen. <laughs> yeah, no. My coach has been super great about either hosting Zoom classes or he posts the workout on YouTube, and so. If you can't make it to the Zoom class, you can just follow the workout from his YouTube instructions. Someone asked me if they were going to discount my gym membership because uh, because it was Zoom classes. And I was like, I want my gym to be still there, you know, at the end of this. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. I don't mind stop. paying full price. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah. you can't just stop paying because then it doesn't exist anymore, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I just plan on getting fat and flabby and embracing it so y'all can be. That's another strategy. You might be wiser than us because maybe. Absolutely. Because I'm getting ready to hibernate through through evil April as it drives. I'm I'm banking on lung capacity here. So. (laughs) Lung capacity is also. Two different, two valid strategies. Striving for. Yes. Yeah. Sure. Well, Jacob, what are you doing? Are you are you working from home? Are you yes? Staying? Yeah, I don't think so. My uh, I would say that most of the things that have affected me directly have been fairly minimal because so being in the computer engineering world, working from from home is not a huge huge deal usually. So I've been doing that for a good week and a half now. Um, they just uh, in Indiana, they are. Um, they, they only last night announced that beginning tomorrow we have an official uh, shelter in place, don't go places uh, order. So that's um, that means that that now everyone actually has to work from from home. Um, other than that, I would say the biggest annoyance has been that my Kroger has been ransacked, and it's just they're just empty. Kroger empty aisles and like as opposed to actually going to shop for food with an idea of like what I'm going to make I have to go with just completely open open mind open hands and say okay whatever I can find I'm gonna just do you put the bandana around your forehead and the assault rifle along around your 
shoulders and margin. Uh, no, actually, I um I have a crossbow that crossbow, is yeah, attached to my back, so I get that at. Do you still have your scooter? Uh, yes, and then I have encased my scooter in bubble wrap to fit over me and the scooter, so I'm just like a traveling hazmat suit with wheels. Perfect. And that's how I get. So I get to Kroger. That's life in the, in the new age hunt. that we're in. Yeah. So for me, I have this really great neighborhood and I've just decided I'm, I, I literally mentally need to get out of my house every single day. So if I can't go to like a beautiful, you know, mountaintop Vista because it's the roads are closed and I can't get there, then I'm going to walk around my neighborhood. And so what I've been doing for the last week is mostly every day, there might've been a day or two that I missed, but um, I'll just go walking around my neighborhood for 30 minutes, 45 minutes, over an hour sometimes. Um, and I'm listening to this podcast. There's this really great podcast, um, which I might link in the show notes, but um, they're doing an episode pretty much every day during the quarantine. And so I've just been treating those walks as my quarantine walks, listening to a quarantine podcast and drinking a cup of coffee that I brewed myself as I go. And that has just been such a beautiful memory of this time, which I will look back on fondly. I, I hope I will look back on that fondly sooner than later, but I found the change of pace to be, uh, very restful so far. Um, I volunteer in a few places at church and so all of that is on hold and, um, and while it's been, uh, sad not to be able to spend time with church friends or local friends, I do wind up having just a lot more time to kind of fill with what I feel like doing versus things that I feel like I ought to be doing. And yeah, I think that's nice in a lot of ways. Yeah. I mean, I encourage everyone listening, uh, if you're struggling and we're going to, again, we're talking about fear here today. Um, yeah, if you're struggling in whatever way, mentally, emotionally, relationally, um, find something, find some daily thing that is beautiful that you can commit to. And so for me, it's my little podcast walks around the neighborhood which is really great because I've, you know, I've lived here for several months now and I've driven various streets around my neighborhood, but I've never, I'm walking down streets that I've never either been down before entirely or streets that I have. And like the natural consequence of going at a slower pace is that you get to notice more. And so all of a sudden I'm noticing like, wow, that's like a really beautiful porch or wow, I didn't know there was a creek going through their bridged front yard. Like I've never noticed that before. So, so it's, it's the change of pace. Like you were saying, Ryan, it's something that I'm appreciating on some level for sure. Like it's still very maddening. Don't get me wrong, but there is a way that this is beautiful and I can either choose to see that or not. And so I encourage y'all listening. If you're struggling to see any beauty whatsoever, like I promise you it's there. It is there. You just have to change your perspective and find a way to incorporate that every single day. Um, as far as Yab goes, um, but yeah, like we, as recently of, as like three weeks ago, we had a Yab retreat planned. Uh, we've been doing these yearly retreats for our supporters, our Yabbers. Um, and because of all the virus concerns, the camp we were going at had to shut down their facilities. We had to cancel, we had to postpone our retreat. And so that's one way it's affected um, Yab itself. But, um, but other than that, like I'm really grateful in times like these for digital community and for something like your other brothers. Cause I would be like, you know, I still have some other friends outside of Yab, but man, this has been a huge chunk of my life these last few years. And, um, in so many ways, not just my work and my productivity, but, um, but the relationships, community and friends, but no, it's like, I'm super grateful for our digital community. And I had the other day, someone asked me, it's like, Tom, have you heard of this thing called zoom? 
And I'm like, y'all, you don't even know. I've been using Zoom. We've been Zooming with our yabbers for years now. Like, get with the program. Everyone's yeah. discovering <laughs> Zoom for the first time. And it's like the latest craze here in March 2020. People are Zooming with their small groups and their businesses and all of their other important meetings. We were using Zoom before it went IPO and just <laughs> have now made a ton of money in the past. I can't imagine market. like, oh my gosh, the work that uh, has intensified with the Z- people, the fine people at Zoom. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we've been Zooming and it's been great to be a part of the digital community. And we're really grateful for our yobbers who make this thing run. If you are interested, now has never been, there has truly never been a greater time to jump on the Yob Express and to become a yobber. Uh, if you're interested in learning more, go to patreon.com slash your other bros and uh, yeah, we have all kinds of community things happening. We, uh, we normally do a Zoom call. We call them Zoom rooms. Uh, we, we usually do those every other week, but for the foreseeable future, for this coronavirus era that we're in, um, we're actually going to be Zooming every single week. And so that's just an additional community element that's out there for, for the people in our community. Um, so if you're interested in learning more, go ahead and check out our Patreon. We definitely appreciate the support, uh, especially now. Y'all, we had a brand new Apple Podcasts review and I wanted to read that for you. Uh, it was a five-star review from T. Simons, I think, or T. Simmons, Persimmons, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I envision it rhyming with Persimmons, T. Simmons. Okay. <laughs> so T. Simmons had this to say. The subject line was important conversations. Um, and he said, I just listened to my first episode and want to recommend the show. Thanks, Yob, for the effort to have conversations that many people want to have but don't initiate. I'm looking forward to more episodes. Love from New England. Mm. Yeah, so thanks for the love from New England. That's exciting. I feel like New England is like the part of the country where we don't get much love. I mean, I know we have some people listening there, but of all the parts of the country, that is by far like our least populated. Like I don't get much, I don't hear much Mm -hmm. from New England. Mm -hmm. So that's super encouraging that this particular person uh, reached out. Thanks for the review, T. Simmons. T. Simmons. T. Simmons, yes. Before we get to the sponsor, y'all, I just wanted to put it out here right now that there is a huge announcement coming at the very end of this episode, and not even Jacob or Ryan know what it is, and it includes mm-hmm. them. So I'm really excited to share that at the Speaking very end of Speaking of fear, <laughs> I'm afraid when people... No, you're going to love this. You're going to love this announcement. I'd like to think you will anyway. Are you doubling our <laughs> <It's>, pay? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Also doubling your workload in the editing bay as well. Yes. Everyone stay tuned to the very end of the episode. Don't check out. If you've already checked out, you need to check back in. There's a big <laughs> announcement coming that involves Jacob, Ryan, Yab, everything. Everything that you hold and love and know and is dear, <laughs> this affects that. So stay mm. tuned. All right. Before we dive into fear in the era of coronavirus. Uh, we have to thank our sponsor. This, these sponsors came out of the literal woodwork. They crawled, started crawling at record speeds toward us. Um, and our sponsor for this episode is Spiders. Thank you, Spiders, <laughs> for jumping onto this episode. Um, and y'all, we don't get ad reads for most of our sponsors, I don't think, but Spiders decided to sp- send an ad read um, so do y'all want to hear, have y'all ever heard of the Brazilian wandering spider by chance? No, it sounds right up your alley though. 
I know. I was like, ooh, I want to know this spider. It's a good but then I read match. the ad read and it was very it was very horrifying, if I'm gonna be honest. Um, it is the deadliest spider in the world, the Brazilian wandering spider. Um, and I'm gonna post a picture of it in the episode <laughs> notes because I have that <laughs> capability now with our podcast. So if you've noticed our last couple of podcasts, they're embedded with images now. Um, so feel free to fire up, uh, uh, well, you're, if you are listening to it on the right app, you'll see it on the screen, but I'll put it in the episode notes as well. The Brazilian wandering spider, and this comes from livescience.com. I just wanted to read you a little thing about the Brazilian wandering spider. Um, the description is these arachnids are called wandering spiders because they do not build webs, but wander on the forest floor at night, actively hunting prey. They kill by both ambush and direct attack. They spend most of their day hiding under logs or in crevices and come out to hunt at night. They eat insects, other spiders, and sometimes small amphibians, reptiles, and mice. Can you imagine a spider eating a mouse? <laughs> wow. <laughs> but wait, there's more. Um, <laughs> because I'm sure y'all are wondering what happens when said spider bites a human, right? That's the natural progression of things. Mm -hmm. um, so here's the answer. After a human is bitten by one of these spiders, he or she may experience initial symptoms such as severe burning at the site of the bite, sweating, and goosebumps. Within 30 minutes, symptoms become systemic and include high or low blood pressure, fast or slow heartbeat, nausea, abdominal cramping, hypothermia, vertigo, blurred vision, convulsions, and excessive sweating associated with shock. And y'all, if that weren't enough, the reason the Brazilian wandering spider made it onto this episode of the Yobcast is for what follows next. It was like the most Yob thing I could ever hope to see because in addition to all of those symptoms... Attraction to men. In addition, in addition to intense pain and possible medical complications, the bite of a Brazilian wandering spider can deliver long, painful erections to human males. <laughs> The venom boosts nitric oxide, which is the chemical that increases blood flow. And several studies have even looked at incorporating this venom into drugs for erectile dysfunction. <laughs> that is not the direction I expected this to go. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> when that Brazilian wandering spider wandered our way, I mean, literally, again, two hours ago, came out of the woodwork to sponsor this Ooh. episode. I was supremely grateful for that information. So... Y'all be careful when you're in Brazil or <laughs> wherever these things exist. I, I wasn't part of the ad read. I'm not sure where exactly they exist. Presumably Brazil, but maybe other ways. Yeah, I kind of want to know how far exactly they wander. Yeah. <laughs> they are wandering, yeah. And so who knows? Who knows where they go? So thank you, spiders. Very <laughs> socially <laughs> distant, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, socially distance yourselves from our sponsor today. So from spiders that cause unwanted and perilous erections we now talk about the coronavirus <laughs> what a segue um people are afraid like i don't know i want to try to dial it down here really quick i know it's hard for me to do that sometimes but um again this thing is escalating quicker more so every day i keep like checking updates on the one hand it's good to be informed on the other hand it's like the more i check and learn about this thing the more horrified i grow because it's like not ending like the curve is not flattening people keep talking about flattening the curve flattening the curve and the curve just keeps going up and increasing and so um again from this juncture in time where we're recording it's uh it's going up and it's getting worse and so 
um, there's a lot of fear going around. And again, I used to be really removed from it. And I don't know that I would say I'm afraid. Like right now, my, my vantage point is that it's just super inconvenient. I'm not affected physically by it. I don't have any relatives or loved ones who are which who knows, like that could change. Maybe that is a fear I, I have if I start to really examine it. But, um, but I think with every passing day, there is a growing fear on some level just because nobody knows when the top of the curve will be reached and when we'll start to like sense some normalcy coming back. But, uh, but yeah, I don't know. I wanted to, that's just me. And I was curious about you guys, if you just have any general fears about this thing right now. Yeah. Like you said, I, currently don't have any personal connections with anyone who has the virus, but like thinking about the fact that my parents are, are in the age range of like at like, like a higher risk, um, uh, category. And actually that, that kind of just hit me last week. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is actually gen- genuinely scary to think about them, possibly getting it and possibly dying. Yeah. Has your, have your parents like invited you to come stay with them or, or put that out there during these lonely times or no? Cause mine have. Uh, yeah. Mine, mine haven't, but also like, um, I don't think that I would just, just because of like the, the risk that in the process of traveling that I would like bring, right. bring it to them. Um, it, yeah, it isn't something. Yeah. I mean, that's what I, that's what I told my parents. I was like, like, that's super nice of you. I have great parents. I'm so glad I have them. And they invited me to come stay with them. But I was like, worst case scenario, what if I'm carrying something or, or in transit, like I go to a gas station and I pump some gas and then there's a virus on the gas pump. And then I take it with like, it's like, it's a weird place to be where you're in general. I feel like it's not good to go to worst place scenarios, but in some cases it's healthy to like prepare for that. Like, for, mm-hmm. for all I know, there's a 99.5% chance that nothing would happen, but but like, what if? And and that's, yeah. again, my parents are on the older side as well, just like all of ours in the room, obviously, but mm-hmm. um, it's in that demographic where it's just not worth that risk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My mom uh, is a nurse and she works at a hospital where they'll be treating um, COVID patients once once they're in uh, in their hometown. And so I know she's she's worried about that and I'm worried for her too. And for my dad, like whenever, uh, whenever he gets a cold, it sort of like knocks him off, you know, off his feet onto his back and he's kind of just a normal cold, um, is hard enough for him. So yeah, they, they, my mom called me today and, um, had some, uh, some stuff to say about that, but then also there, and I'm sure a lot of people are doing this right now are kind of making sure their affairs in order because they don't know what the next few months hold. And, um, and that's an ongoing process, you know, like you, they've, they've done stuff like this every few years, but now, now it's the, the biannual update of all of, yeah. all of that. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. yeah. And I think for myself, I have, um, I don't have a lot of fear on the virus itself, but I do have, some kind of more abstract fears around like what what'll this do to society you know like what happens if um 
yeah, like how much damage has to be done to the economy before, uh, before it won't grow back, you know, um, you know, with the, with the 2008 stock market, um, dark period, that was like, oh, some, you know, securities were bad. And so Wall Street was, um, was kind of a little out of control and, and stocks and the market tanked. Um, but really the economy was fine. Like the actual like concrete, the goods flowing from place to place was fine. Supply chains were there. Um, but with, uh, with this, like the economy, the actual physical concrete economy is struggling. And I think that's scary to see, you know, to go to the grocery store and, Mm -hmm. and I realized that I, okay. So go to the grocery store and like, they don't have produce and like, I realize that's a reality that a lot of the world does have to deal with every day, but I think it kind of hit me hard. Like when I went to the grocery store and they didn't have, they didn't have what I was looking for and they hardly had any fresh produce. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I guess, I guess the way, you know, the way I'm kind of looking at it is, well, uh, when things get back to normal and, and I hope and pray that they will. Um, you know, I'd like to think I won't take that for granted so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that often what, what you find during a time of uh, crisis um, or trauma is that you, you tend to see both like the best and the worst of people. And I think that one of my fears is that, um, like things, I, I, I don't. I think it's safe, safe, safe to say that it's safe to say that things are going to get worse before they get better. And as things get worse, and people start to panic more, and they become more and more afraid, that's oftentimes when then you start to see like acts of violence and looting and robbery and you um as people become more and more anxious you then start to see the worst of humanity and i've even i've I've even heard um uh, comments from like folks um of like perhaps is this is this a time to invest in owning a gun and just the like the thought of that question being now like a mainstream thing that people are asking like is this something that i should have just that question makes me afraid of like where we could possibly be heading in terms of just how we interact with one another as a society yeah yeah i mean it's i've already said it a couple times in this in this episode but it's the fear of the unknown which is the scariest thing it's just like the not knowing where this is going and for how long and and what the other side looks like because everyone talks about like getting back to normal let's get back to normal let's get everything normalized again but like is there a going back like i wonder what adjustments are made societally or government organized or whatever moving forward like what what does the other side of this look like you know not only the crisis itself but then the post crisis um preventing another one in the future where they're like talking about 
like the seasons of this virus, like, so it'll spike and then it'll go away, but then it'll come back again, like a year later. And then hopefully we have a vaccine by then. And hopefully Mm -hmm. we're more prepared the next time. So like, they're already talking about a next time. And so it's all of that stuff that I start, you know, it's so easy to go in a spiral and, and just start, uh, projecting and forecasting how bad things could get and, um, and where this is all going. So, so again, there's a balance, there's a balance of overreacting, which would be better than underreacting in certain areas, in certain situations. So like not visiting your older parents or your grandparents, Mm -hmm. even though that seems super extreme, like maybe that's just for the best for the next month or two or three or more. Like, I don't know. It's weird to say, but, uh, um, but then there's also times where you have to be grounded in reality too and just be like, okay, well, all, all we have right now is today. And that's such a, a Christian mindset to like live, to make the most of your days. Cause you don't know if you're not guaranteed tomorrow by any means. And so let's make the most of today. And so it's a, hopefully a new perspective. We're all learning firsthand in a way <laughs> that we never have before. Um, cause I know I'm, I'm certainly learning to do mm-hmm. that. Um, moving to relationally, because I feel like we were joking about zoom earlier, <laughs> earlier in the show. Um, but like when we look at relational fears in this era um, and relational adjustments that are being made, like obviously churches have been closed. All these churches are going to like digital services now. Small groups are having Zoom meetings. People are working from home. Like what are y'all, do y'all have any fears just relationally? Like on the one hand, it's kind of new and different and exciting on one level. Like we're we're all connecting on this like digital advancement. And I'm so grateful for the internet and technology right now, because can you guys imagine coronavirus a hundred years ago or something? Like I, I can't even mentally grasp what that would be like to not like, all right, I guess I'll just won't see Jacob and Ryan for a year (laughs) or something. (laughs) I mean, I don't know how we would be recording a podcast in 1920. So I'm just, I'm making up this scenario on the fly, but, um, but like, I think the biggest fear I have right now relationally is loss of momentum with a lot of my relationships in person here. Um, like we had a rhythm of grabbing coffee once a week or having this group every week or we're doing this one thing once a month, you know? And so all of that has just been pushed off into some like unknown place on the calendar off out in the distance. And so I just have a lot of fears as, um, I don't know, someone, I'm not going to say I'm more relationally wired than most people. That sounds arrogant, but, um, but I value relationships. I value the meaning together. Um, especially as an introvert, there's one-on-one small group settings. Like I, really, um, thrive in those. The church going to digital doesn't bother me as much. It's like, okay, whatever. Like it's not ideal. I would, I would rather be in a church, but that doesn't really affect me to my core. It's the, it's the more intimate gatherings of people that that's, that's sparked a lot of fears too, of the momentum thing. Like what if it, what does it think? What do things look like on the other side of this? Or is anyone going to even want to still be my friend three months from now? Because we just haven't hung out in all this time. It's like, we've all just adapted to the new way of doing things. Like, I guess maybe it's dramatic, but that's, those are things that I'm afraid of. Yeah, I get that. Um, yeah. And I guess, I guess I haven't really framed it as something I'm afraid of so much, but yeah, I do. I do miss seeing my friends a lot. Um, and zoom is great, but it's not, you know, it's not the same. And, um, and like you mentioned earlier, Jacob, like the the physicality of relationship and, and touch mm-hmm. um, is is missing, and and I'm sad about that. And you know, I don't know, like, you know, what what happens if this goes on for two weeks? You know, will I shrivel up and die? I don't know. Nobody knows what. <laughs> <I will do. laughs> no one knows. 
What about outside? I know it's really hard to picture a life outside of coronavirus. Like I, I'm like squinting my eyes trying to fi figure out what does that look like? What is that? What is that world? Um, I remember those days when things were not burnt to the ground. Um, the days before the event, you know. Um, but like, out, so outside of coronavirus, what, you know, to hopefully hopefully provide more relevant more relevant uh, conversation and discussion for yeah folks listening not even outside of this time frame but even within this time frame like um, like what do you guys fear do you have fears relationally with uh, there's all these different categories of friendships so with other men with women with single people with married people um, with people who are also gay or SSA with with straight people like are there any fears that jump out? Um, I know that's like a super blunt question to ask, but like, yeah, I, I'd be curious in, to hear y'all uh, share what, what, what maybe keeps you up at night or what you think about. Yeah, I think one thing I've been learning recently through talking with my therapist uh, is that I have a lot of fear surrounding boundaries. Like I have a lot of fear of enforcing boundaries, like fear that... Um, fear that I will uh, like make someone unhappy there, displease someone there, but also fear of having boundaries enforced against me and like, like wanting something or asking for something or kind of interacting with someone in some way, but then discovering that that crossed a line. And now, um, and now like, that that person sees me as this like toxic needy person um, who they aren't going to have that much room in their life for after all, because, um, because he crosses lines, he crosses boundaries. And really a lot of, a lot of the more specific things that come to mind fall on, like fall into that. Mm. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. I have a, uh, a pretty intense fear of being, abandoned um of um trying as hard as i can to be to be winsome and appealing and attractive but at the end of the day not being enough for um people to choose to want to be with me and to remain with me so there's that like that both the fear that I'm not enough and thus will be abandoned. And then sort of the other side of that same coin is the fear that um, once people get to know me and they truly know my innermost being, they will find that I'm too much or that um, what I, or who I actually am when I take, take down my walls and become t totally vulnerable isn't actually what um isn't, isn't actually a person that they want to have an an intimate connection with and thus i'm abandoned again mm -hmm. yeah i can relate with both of those fears actually i guess i don't have to share now <laughs> so. well i thought of another one. <laughs> oh, add more to the fear bucket yeah I have this fear of loneliness and lack of connection and lack of 
intimacy that um, like I have this idea that if I'm lonely enough for long enough, then that will sort of permanently damage me in some way um, Mm. that will make me incapable of or make it harder to connect with people or, or find intimacy with people. And then that in turn will cause, you know, cause me to be more lonely in that it would be this like negative feedback loop that just keeps spiraling and spiraling. Yeah. I definitely relate with that with maybe entirely, but at the very least in the specific arena of living situations, like I've been living alone for gosh, almost like two years now. And there's a part of me that's, it's been really good and really healthy. And I'm grateful for the the time to have all to myself and the space to myself. But, but there is a part of me that fears like, gosh, can I ever cohabitate with another human or humans again? If that situation were ever to present itself, like, is this just become the new normal, the new way that I operate and thrive? And is that a bad thing? Is it a good thing? Like, I don't know. I, I worry that something has been irreparably done <laughs> for the worse that, uh, nope, I just can't, I can't have that level of intimacy or connection, um, having roommates or having a a wife one day or or what have you. Um, but it's just like too much. Like I've, this is just the new rewired Tom for better or worse. And yeah, I think piggybacking off of you a little bit, Jacob, I, you know, vulnerability has become such a branding thing for me, even outside of Yob. Like I'm just known that's, that's how people find me on the internet. Like, Oh, Tom, he's just really really vulnerable about his struggles and he puts it out there. He lays it all on the line. And on the one hand, like I, I absolutely see that as courageous and I'm proud of myself for the way I've opened up. But, um, but there's that fear that how does that translate to my personal relationships? Can I still be that open and that vulnerable or even to another degree? Because what I've shared in my books and writings, and even on this podcast, there's a whole nother layer to me that I'm not about to share anytime soon. And that's what counseling is for. And God bless. I was, when you mentioned counseling, Ryan, I just wanted to give a big shout out to digital counseling because I guess that could be a third sponsor of our, of our podcast after spiders and zoom digital counseling, huge, huge uh, thing that I've uh, been grateful for in this, this time of isolation and, and, uh, and quarantines, but, but yeah, like trying to figure out that balance of vulnerability, practicality, like, am I, am I wise enough to know what to share and what not to share with people? And, you know, and if I share something, will it be received or will it be pushed away Mm -hmm. or, um, or what, you know, what's, what will happen? How will it definitively change the relationship? Hopefully for the good, but, but what if not, what if for the worst? So, um, so that's a constant fear I have in the age of being the struggle guy known as the struggle guy, like, uh, how much, how much is too much and how much is just enough and how much is not enough, um, in the, in my relationships, especially that, that inner ring of relationships that I've built. Sexual fears. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with spiders. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Something to definitely be sexually terrified of. Um, sexual fears. I wanted to throw that into the conversation because we talk about sexuality on our community. Obviously, that's, that tends to be a thing that we discuss. Um, and so, yeah, I just was curious just to, to touch on that, uh, sexual fears. And, and so what I mean by that is like, if, you know, the three of us are single at this moment and, and walking a road of, of celibacy, I'm, I'm just curious if you forecast your life, if that's the way it is for the next 40, 50, 60 years, then does anything come up as scary or fearful? So the, 
I think I've talked about this on this uh, uh, podcast in the past of that the idea of home is one that's incredibly important and meaningful to me and what it um, what it looks like to not only create and build a home, but also to feel at home. And one of my continued um, fears is that I will never feel at home, um, that I will never feel that, um, that peace and contentment and joy and reality of being um, known and loved completely for who I am, um, that that will just always be um, something that will be missing for the rest of my life. Um, and I think I've, I, I know enough now to know that that kind of longing and that kind of fear is not unique to being single. And so I don't, I'm not, I don't want to, I don't want to have, um, I don't want to have people hear that. Oh, he just, he's saying that the reason why he feels that way is because he's single and he's not married. And he thinks that if he were to get married, that that would be what would um, fulfill all of those longings. I know that that's, that's not, um, that's not the case, but at the same time, um, I also like have um, experienced uh, greater measures of relational satisfaction and those feelings of people that feel like home in the past that I don't presently feel. And it makes me, um, afraid that I never will again. So when I think about my life, that's not so much a concern or a fear of me, like abandoning a theology or a set of convictions. I feel fairly firm and solid in those. And in my desires, learning the desires of my heart, which are wired more toward like brotherhood and, and male connection versus like having a life partner per se. Um, but what I, what I struggle with though I think with, with walking this road of, if I remain single, singleness and celibacy is, is wondering who else is still walking with me. Cause I think that's the fear is if I'm doing it and this kind of ties back to relational fears, I guess it's like a combination of relational sexual fears. But, uh, but like, yeah, in the last several years, last decade, I guess I've developed some really great relationships, super uplifting, amazing men who are walking this road with me. And the thought of some of them not anymore for whatever reason mm-hmm. 30 years from now, five years from now, you know, that, that strikes a lot of fear and dread in me and wondering what that does to my morale, to my resolve. Um, I think that's the thing that I fear more so than, than just choosing another path of my own volition. It's just like either feeling forced to do it by the people around me and then wondering the strength of my conviction. Is it strong enough to withstand, even if everyone walked away, would I still follow um, what I believe Christ is calling me to do. Like that's, that's what I get afraid of Mm -hmm. when I really start to forecast my life, (laughs) which I try not to do often, but, uh, but that is inevitably there when I think about the future, that's something that I wonder like, huh, can I be a 65 year old single celibate man who has walked this road for decades upon decades? Um, whether or not there were other people doing it along with me the whole time, like I'd like to think that yes, I could and would, but obviously I won't know until, until I get there. Mm trying to figure out the best way the best analogy for this use a spider <laughs> they sponsored this show 
that's going to be connected, I think, to the uh, to the Brazilian wandering spider. I think um, being being same sex attracted or gay uh, in our society is a little like um, is a little like having an erection, where like it's okay, like on a abstract kind of. Uh, on an abstract ideological level, like it's okay to uh, to have an erection. You know, we realize that happens to people, um, and just don't don't let anyone know that you have one right now. You know, like don't don't let your sexuality like press up against anything. You know, like don't let it take up space in the world. Um, because, and I think this is, this can be especially true in the church because we don't want to, we don't want to really know what it's like, you know, we don't, we don't want to know the shape of it. We don't want to know, you (laughs) know, (laughs) we don't want to touch it. We don't want, you know, and so I think like I do, I realize I have this fear of, um, of letting my sexuality take up space in my relationships, um, in my community and like I have this fear of um of rejection around that um that it's not going to be uh that like as much as it's accepted in kind of the abstract ideological way that it has been that once once we get into like kind of the uh the concrete like what does that mean to to have a relationship with me as a gay man um, like that, then people will find that unacceptable. Yeah. I think to kind of echo that a little bit, having this, having this fear that all of my longings and desires for connection, especially with other men will always be seen and felt as slightly perverted or slightly tainted and never as something mm-hmm. that can be received as others with joy and with um, c- celebration of that. There will always be this um, this kind of nagging question or um, others will kind of always be like wondering like, like, is that like really good that that's how you feel like do you do you only feel those things because you experience same-sex attraction and if that's the case like isn't um all of your longing for male intimacy um just like a little bit sinful um and i think that 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 um that that fear that i could i can never um persuade or, or convince people of um of any purity of my desires is really scary and mm. exhausting yeah definitely i wanted to close our fearful our fear-ridden conversations um by focusing on the spiritual and when i was thinking about questions you know Sometimes I like to list like six or eight, six to to eight questions on things that we like to talk about on these episodes. But with spiritual fears, really my, my single question was, do you fear that Jesus won't be enough? Do you ever feel, do you ever fear that, um, that the gospel isn't enough 
at some point, either now currently or at some point in the future. Um, and hold your thoughts on that because I actually reached out to one of my dear friends, one of our yabbers who is a self-proclaimed Enneagram six. I figured when we're talking about fear today, we got to go to the source. We need to talk to a six because (laughs) sixes, if y'all know the Enneagram, they are fearful. They're beautiful people. They're very loyal and they're very dependable and they're very, they can be very awesome, but, uh, but they struggle with fear. They struggle with worry in a time of coronavirus, worst case scenarios. This is like the sirens are blaring. It's ground zero. It's, it's time to batten down the hatches. This is, this is like what the six has been telling us for years would happen, you know? So that's, that's kind of a, if you don't know the Enneagram, that's kind of a snapshot generalization. But, uh, but no, I reached out to him about sexual, spiritual fears. Um, and I was curious if he had any thoughts. And so he actually sent me this, which I wanted to share on the air, um, on this episode. And he said, some time ago, I had a fairly significant bout of internalized homophobia, this intense fear of one's own gayness that you care more about what others think of you than being honest about you being attracted to your own gender. Around four or so years ago, I began to believe that the more I pressed into Jesus for relational fulfillment, the more I would find he would be okay with me having a man as a romantic partner. In my life and context, I was at a point where I had community that knew me and desired me to remain in the traditional sexual ethic, which I was deeply thankful for. However, I knew if I were to pursue a man, my entire structure of support would crumble. Worst case scenario of me dating a man, losing all my friends, and being all alone. All my former support systems gone, plus Jesus' love, would leave me. Being outside of that sounded too much to handle. So feeling as the closer I got to Jesus, the more he'd be okay with me dating a guy, this twisted cascade left me staying far away from him. I was up to myself figuring out what life would look like, doing, 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 and thinking, 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 how I could manage this anxiety of losing my whole setup of life on my own. The song Reckless Love by Corey Asbury hit the Christian music scene and also with it this unfounded fear. The bridge hit me. There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. The lie of intimacy with Jesus equaling the end of my life was something God had been whittling away at for a year and finally tore it down. The absurdity was realized, and my fear of myself and what my sexuality implicated was replaced by the pursuit of Jesus coming after me, whether or not I wanted it. So huge shout out to uh, our Yabber friend who sent that. Become a Yabber on Patreon, and you too can share beautiful, eloquent paragraphs that I then read on the air. So thank you for for passing that along. and yeah, I just wanted to piggyback my own thoughts real quick on, uh, on that. Um, yeah, like I said, I've never, I've never really struggled with changing my belief system. That's felt fairly solid, um, and especially as I've become an adult and I've read all the texts and interpretations and things. I, pre- I feel pretty solid about what I believe, um, but I, I do wrestle with that fear. Is Jesus enough? Because he also... You know, I don't think he wants us to live in isolation. I think he wants us to inter- intermingle with one another and support one another and be vulnerable with one another. And and I guess with that comes a lot of fear of, um, like, am I going to be doing it right? Of course, I'm going to mess up. It's not, never going to be perfect. But do I still believe at the end of the day, whether I have a million friends um, or, no, or no friends, like, do I still believe that Jesus is enough and that he's coming after me and pursuing me? Um, even if I pursue a road of singleness and celibacy, and maybe with a, a lot more isolation than 
than would be attained otherwise if I chose another path on some level? Um, do I believe that he's enough to, to meet that need and pursue me through the struggle and through the disconnect and through the striving and the strife? Um, and I'd like to think, I mean, a lot of times on my good days, of course I believe that, but on hard days, and there have been some hard days of late, I'll be honest, with this, with this virus and with a lot of isolation, I wonder like, gosh, like, is this a, a microcosm? Is this a, is this like a foreboding sense of the future of like, everyone's going to have things going on, but I'm just going to be living alone in my own little bubble. And, 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 th- and then, then what do I rely on my faith? Is Jesus, you know, still relevant and still necessary today? And I have to believe that he is. Yeah. I guess in the back of my mind, I have this fear that also well, I know that God knows what I need and I have my own kind of conception of what I need and those things don't usually <laughs> line up very well. Um, but I guess I have this fear that um, like there will be such a big gap between those two understandings that um, that like I won't, that it won't be sustainable, I guess. Yeah, I don't, I would say that I don't think that I find myself afraid that he's a not enough, but uh, kind of like what, what you mentioned earlier, Tom, is how there are times that I do fear my own perseverance in the faith of just knowing myself and knowing um, and and feeling my, my old self and my old uh, flesh and nature and just the um, um, that part of me that I have to put to death every day and knowing that there have been times, uh, there have been seasons of wandering in my own life and um, feeling the kind of hardness of heart that comes with those, those seasons and having a fear of um, what if I get to a point where my heart becomes so callous and so hard and I cease to be able to feel that, that repentance feels no longer possible of going so far away that I can um, no longer turn back to uh, to him. Um, and I think that as, um, as you just shared, I think that there is, um, there is great reason to hope, um, in, in the reality that he is also pursuing and comes after us. Um, and there is, there's reason to have hope in, um, perseverance, but I, I, I will admit that there are, there are times when things get, um, really dark and really hard that I think I'm just going to give up. I can't, I can't do it anymore. Um, yeah. That's where it's huge having, I mean, I think that's why he wants us to interact with one another because he truly can be the hands and feet of fellow believers Mm -hmm. helping us along when we don't have that strength on our own. So it's like, you know, on a like purely Sunday school answer, we have to say, yes, Jesus is all we need or Jesus is, is enough. But, but the reality is, yeah, he inhabits his people and, 
and uses us to minister to one another and prop each other up when we don't have the strength. And I've, I've experienced that, you know, countless times in my life. I'm sure y'all have as well when you felt you had nothing left or very little left, if nothing else. Mm -hmm. And, and having a support system there, having fellow believers there is, has been, um, huge for me Mm -hmm. personally. Yeah. I guess in the back of my mind, I have this fear that, well, so I know that God knows what I need and I have my own kind of conception of what I need. And those things don't usually line up very well. Um, but I guess I have this fear that, um, like there will be such a big gap between those two understandings that, um, that like, I won't, that it won't be sustainable, I guess, or that it's just like, that I won't be able to accept it. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. There's a concept of like, you know, we have our, our desires and some of them are good and healthy and right. And some of them maybe are not as much or maybe too specific in some way. And God has, you know, his way, obviously, you know, we trust that he is sovereign he's running the show and he's got all this organized and laid out and knows what we need. And so, yeah, what do you do with the gap? Like there's something beautiful, the thought of, of his desires becoming my desires, like molding, reshaping my desires. But then that's also really annoying. Like, no, I want what I want. Like, I don't want to shift and mold my specific version of what I want as intimacy or, or connection or, um, or longevity with, uh, yeah, call it a living situation or a church or group of people or whatever. Like, like what if, what if God's desire is different and, you know, I have to submit that and be reshaped by that. Like on the one hand, that's beautiful. But on the other hand, that's mm-hmm. from a human perspective, yeah. like it's annoying. I want what I want. I don't want to, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't want to have it changed. Yeah. And I think, I think that there's, there's this, uh, there can be this misconception in our community that as SSA or, or gay folks that we are the only ones who actually are needing to have our own desires shaped and conformed to that of God's. And that's just, that's just not true. And um, I think that's, that's important to keep in mind that that's a, that's, that's a human thing. That's not unique to just folks like us. Some years ago, working in various recovery communities, I became quite familiarized with the serenity prayer. It was written by American theologian Reinhold Niebuhr, and it's become popularized by Alcoholics Anonymous and recovery groups around the world. It's a very simple prayer, super relevant, especially now when things are uncertain and some things are in and and out of our control. The question is, how do we react? What do we do today, despite all the difficulty swirling in our midst? And even years removed from working in recovery communities, this singular prayer sticks with me follows me where I go, calls me to change my perspective where it needs changing. 
calls me to trust where I need trusting and calls me to let go where I need to. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. The courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking, as Jesus did, this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. Amen. Cool. Well, I feel like we talked about our fears a lot and, um, and you know, like, I think it's easy to talk for like 30 seconds about a fear and then sort of jump immediately to, but this is why it's okay. This is why we don't have to fear that. And I'm kind of proud of us for just like, uh, for just like really exploring those fears and not having to rush to like reassure each other, like give each other like surface level reassurances that we've all heard before, but we still have to deal with the fears, you know? Yeah. And something I neglected to even mention in this episode, the number one command that's repeated in the Bible is do not fear, do not be afraid. Like it's repeated again and again and again. And you just get the sense that um, one of my favorite podcasters, Brand Hansen, he talks about this all the time. Like, why do you think Jesus said that so much? Like, is he just like insecure or, or what? Like, why is he constantly telling his people to not be afraid? And I think there's just a sense like of living that human experience. He knows, he knows that tendency inside all of us, not just Enneagram sixes, but inside all mm -hmm. of us to be afraid and to worry and to forecast worst case scenarios. And the fact that he said, do not fear again and again and again is so like reassuring to know that he walked that road, a road ridden with fear, um, all every turn that he experienced and lived that experience out. And so it's like such an assurance to know that the God I follow was one that experienced fear, um, faced it head on and, and came out the other side and, and wants us to know that he's there and he's leading us. And so, um, so I hope everyone listening again, I know this thing is hitting us from all the angles. We have plenty of people listening internationally. I didn't even mention that in the intro. It's not just an American thing. Like we have people in lockdown around the country, like orders from the entire countries to stay at home and not leave. And, and there's just undoubtedly fear in other places. And maybe that same level of fear is coming to America in these weeks to come. I don't know. But, um, in a time that it's tempting to be deeply afraid, it's, it's my hope that as believers, we can, we can rally around, uh, a savior who, who reassures us to not be afraid and to trust him. So, um, so special thanks to spiders for sponsoring this episode. <laughs> so don't be afraid of spiders too, you know, even spiders with really cool names. Mm -hmm. You need to keep, yeah, you need to be socially distant from, from those. Also, I'd like to give a, I'd like to give a very special shout out to the eight ish 
uh, spiders that I consume while I'm sleeping every year. Uh, thank you for giving up your life so I may have the micronutrients that you provide that I didn't even know that I needed. So thank you. Micronutrients. Yeah. What are you, what are you, you benefiting from that? I wonder like half a yeah, gram of we protein. We don't, we don't even know, uh-huh. but it's keeping, it's keeping me flourishing. I sort of imagine spiders. it's, it's like uh, the spider ritual. Like it's, a, a sacrifice <laughs> like it's, it's yeah. the thing the where they're like yeah, you, know, yeah. you throw a version into a volcano it's like we have yeah, to yeah, choose yeah, one yeah. of us <laughs> to get thrown into jacob's mouth yeah yeah <laughs> what a visual mm. um but in all honesty i would love to hear your fear stories um in the era of coronavirus or otherwise go ahead to yourotherbrothers.com slash podcast Find the episode 60 post on fear. Um, tell us, tell us with coronavirus, are there things you're afraid of in your neck of the woods where you are in the world? Um, has it affected you? Like maybe I'm sure it's a growing trend now that someone knows somebody. Um, not only has been affected, but tragically, maybe they've lost somebody because of this now. Um, so if, we'd love to hear your stories about that. But then also anything else we talked about, relational fears, um, how it pertains to your choice to pursue a traditional sexual ethic and, and following Jesus are the things that you're afraid about. Uh, we'd love to, to trade some stories and perspectives in the comments. It's always a joy when y'all are also vulnerable with us. It's reciprocated and it feels, feels lovely. All right. Y'all want to know about the huge announcement? I do want to know what <laughs> the do. announcement is. <laughs> okay. I'm really excited about this huge announcement and it really was inspired by my daily walks that I referenced at the top of this episode, these daily walks where I'm listening to a podcast. Um, I'll, sh- I'll just go ahead and name it. It's called That Sounds Fun with Annie F. Downs. And she and this guy named Eddie, um, they just are talking every single day during a quarantine. She got quarantined by the government because she was associated with people who had coronavirus. And so she was not allowed to leave her home for two weeks. And rather than sulk and, and be miserable, she's a raging extrovert. And uh, I kind of wanted to have an extrovert on the show today. Dean was supposed to be on this show, but he couldn't make it today. So I would have loved to hear kind of the extroverted perspective as we're all introverts here today. But, uh, but anyway, she's just like coping with this situation, like staying home for two weeks, like literally not leaving for two weeks for groceries, for anything. Um, they've been having really a great time on this podcast and, and I've been really enjoying it. And, and then lately just feeling really inspired. And um, when I was thinking about just how all businesses and, and, communities are shifting and morphing and adjusting to the situation and how they can better meet their clients or their, or like churches meeting the needs of their congregants. Um, when I thought about all of that, I was thinking about Yab and what, like, what is the Yab response? What can your other brothers do during this time? And obviously I mentioned at the top that, uh, we're increasing our zoom communities for, for the foreseeable future. So we'll be having these, these zoom chats for our supporters once a week for at least the next few weeks. And we'll just kind of see where it goes from there. But, uh, but when I was thinking about other things we could do, and not only collectively as your other brothers, but also personally as Tom, I've realized that I need, I just need more on my calendar. I need to start doing things because I'm going, I don't want to say going insane or going crazy in a literal sense, but on some level I'm losing it. Like I, it's been just like days are blurs. Like, I don't know if it's a weekend or a weekday anymore. Like I have no idea what, what to make of it other than I need things on my calendar. I need things to look forward to and I need things to do. And we have a pretty sweet community here at Your Other Brothers. I'm obviously quite biased, but but hey, it produced Jacob and Ryan, so we must be doing something <laughs> right, right? Um, they came out of this community. So um, something that I'm going to commit to, 
for at least two weeks, possibly more, but for at least the next two weeks, starting this Monday, when you hear this recording, starting in a just a couple days, I'm going to be doing, I say daily podcasts, but they're going to be semi-daily. Let's say that. So I think what I'm shooting for is four days a week, um, something like Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, maybe. And this, could, this is up for change, but we'll see. But basically what they're going to be, they're going to be 20-minute episodes, just really bite-sized episodes. And on these episodes, I'm going to just be having a conversation with somebody from the Yob community, one-on-one -on -one conversations, 20 minutes, we're just going to talk, and we might have serious, deep things to say, and we just might be joking and laughing the whole time for 20 minutes. And it's my hope that uh, with these conversations, with these mini podcasts, that it's just something to look forward to. Because I know for me personally, I've been starving for content. Like I need more. It seems like there's not enough. Like there's, it, it seems like there's an abundance of content out there on Netflix, on in podcast world or whatever. But um, but the ones that I've latched onto, the ones that are like bring me the most joy, I've realized I want more from them now because I need more content in my life and I need more joy and encouragement in my life. And so it's my hope that if you enjoy your other brother's podcast twice a month, that uh, this is something you could enjoy for like a more um, ongoing, consistent basis during this time where we're all cooped up inside and not able to leave, need more content to bring us joy and hopefully connect and resonate with us. And so um, Jacob and Ryan, if you're down to participate at some point in the next couple of weeks, I would love to have a one-on-one -on -one with you that I ha happen to press the record button on and uh, put it out there for listeners. So, um, so that's the big surprise. That's the big announcement. Um, and I've actually, actually already talked to a few other, uh, other guys about this in our community who are down to participate as well. So I'm really excited to, um, not only talk to people that you have heard before on your other brother's podcast, but perhaps, perhaps some that you haven't. So mm. that so sounds really that. exciting, Tom. Yeah. And like I said, this is like, I think it'll be fun to do a daily podcast. This is kind of like our first foray into a spinoff podcast. I've, I've always wanted to have some sort of a spinoff show, um, whether it was something I did or something someone else in our community took on. Like, I, I like that idea of having another show, but this is an opportunity for me to also just like have an outlet every day to talk to people that I really love and have a great connection with. And, and, and I think I'd like to think because they've been on the show for the most part, um, that there's a, there's a chemistry there that we can have a conversation with and hopefully just, it's my goal to just make people smile for at least 20 minutes a day when maybe the rest of it's so boring and you're so over this mm -hmm. and maybe you even start to feel dread and fear rising up. But like for 20 minutes a day, dang it, you can listen to the Corona cast <laughs> and, and hopefully be uplifted. So, so that's my goal starting in the next couple of weeks. You'll start to see more notifications than usual on your podcast app if you're subscribed to your other brother's podcast. So um, do not be alarmed. Tom has not gone crazy yet. He's just hoping to... He's actually hoping to alleviate the craziness and and find a healthy outlet. So so stay tuned for that. I'm really excited for those those conversations to come. Tom's practicing self care by spending more time in front of a microphone. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. All right, y'all. So until our first Corona cast for all your other brothers, my name is Tom. This is Ryan, and this is Jacob. Reminding you that you are not alone. Even the sparrow finds a home. See you next time, everybody. Bye, everyone. Stay safe and healthy. Bye. Thanks for listening to Your Other Brothers podcast. Navigate more with us at yourotherbrothers.com and comment on this episode at yourotherbrothers.com slash podcast. Subscribe to our show to never miss an episode. And if you enjoy what we do, consider rating and reviewing us on iTunes. 
You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Your Other Bros. If you'd like to further support our storytelling effort, consider becoming a Yabber. Yabbers pledge monthly and receive perks like calls with authors and other supporters, access to a secret Facebook group, and additional podcast content. Visit patreon.com slash yourotherbros for more information. Don't miss our monthly bonus podcast on Patreon, The Yabalog, featuring responses to previous podcasts, content not featured in public episodes, calls from listeners, and more. Ask us a question or tell us a story by leaving us a message at 706-389-8009. If you're new to the show, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at podcast at yourotherbrothers.com. You can also write us at Your Other Brothers, P.O. Box 843, Asheville, North Carolina, 28802. Until we journey next time, we're glad you're with us.